We got some tracks also on Halloween if you don't know what Halloween's all about. So we have some tracks to help you and also hand out to other people if you'd like to get some of those. Amen. Praise the Lord. And if you want to dress up for that night, you can. Just don't dress, like, dress up like a demon or a witch or something like that. Amen. Praise God. We've got to have an alternative. But, you know, there's the evil side of this thing. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with just uh, giving out candy and things and having this celebration of, of, of a harvest type situation. Amen. All right. Good to see our adults here today. Romans, the 12th chapter. If you turn there, please, in the word of the Lord today. I'm excited about this message this morning. I'm excited about this chapter today in the book of Romans. It will bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. It blessed me. Now, I'm going to be reading, first of all, from a different type of translation. This is a King James Version of the Bible, but it is called Exegesis. And what it is, it's a super translation, and it gives you, where it, where it says God, it gives you what that word was translated from. If, you know, God was translated from the word Elohim. Y'all know that? Y'all follow me so far? When it talked about the Lord is my healer, that means uh, Jehovah Rapha. Well, see, that's the, the, the original is Jehovah Rapha. But we read it in the English, the Lord is my healer. But this Bible gives you the actual words. So I believe it's going to help you. This is what the Messianic Christian churches read and study. It's an awesome Bible. And then I'm going to go just to the King James Version and we'll be teaching from that. So follow along with me if you would, please. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. <clears throat> Paul, excuse me, writing, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by or through the mercies or compassions of God, Elohim, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, or well-pleasing unto God, Elohim, which is your reasonable service or your logical liturgy, and be not conformed or configured to this world or this age, but be ye transformed or metamorphosed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable, well-pleasing, and perfect, complete will of God, Elohim. Amen? Y'all follow me okay? Verse 3, for I say, or for I word, through the grace or the charisma, uh, charism given unto me to every man that is one being among you, not to think of himself or super exalt more highly than he ought to think needs super exalt, but to think soberly unto being sound minded according to, according as God or Elohim hath dealt or imparted to every man each the measure of faith or trust. For exactly as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same function or office, so thus we being many are one body in Christ, or Messiah, and every one, each member is one of another, having then gifts or charismata, that's very important, differing, thoroughly excelling, according to the grace, charism, that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of, of faith or trust, or whether ministry, let us wait on our ministering in ministering, or he that teacheth, whether doctrinating on teaching 
or in doctrine, or he that exhorteth, <coughs> whether consoling, on exhortation, in consolation, he that giveth or imparting, let him do it with simplicity or in liberality, he that ruleth or presiding with diligence or in diligence, he that showeth mercy or mercying with cheerfulness or in hilarity. Let love be without dissimulation. That means unhypocritical. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave or adhere to that which is good. Be kindly or cherish, affectionate or befriending one to another. With brotherly love in befriending. In honor preferring one another, not slothful in business. Diligence. Fervent or zealous in spirit. Serving the Lord at Onay in season, rejoicing or cheering in hope, patient or abiding in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, dis distributing or imparting to the necessity or the needs of saints, the holy, giving to us hospitality, <clears throat> pursuing the befriending of strangers, bless or eulogize them which persecute you, Bless or eulogize and curse not. Rejoice or cheer with them that do rejoice or cheer. And weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind or thought one toward another. Mind or think not high things, highly. But condescend to men of low estate, led with the humble. Be not wise in your own conceits. Think not beyond yourselves. Recompense or give back to no man one evil for evil. Provide things honest or good in the sight of all men or humanity. If it be possible as much as lieth in or be of you, live peaceably, shalom, with all men or humanity. But rather give place under wrath, for it is written or scribed, Vengeance is mine, I will repay or shall recompense, saith the Lord, or wordeth the Lord, Yahweh. Therefore, if ever thine enemy hunger, feed him. If ever he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, let not evil triumph over you, but overcome evil with triumph over evil in good. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mighty, awesome word. We awesomely praise you and worship you today. We exalt you, God, with all of our hearts. We thank you for the word. We ask you to speak to every person in this assembly today. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> you may be seated. <clears throat> the first portion of Romans chapter 12 deals with our life in Christ. Amen. Let me read just briefly. I beseech you, therefore, therefore, what's the therefore? Every time you see a therefore in Scripture, you need to go back and find out why is the therefore, therefore. Amen. And he says, I beseech you, therefore, what's the therefore, therefore? Because of everything that we have covered in Romans chapter 1 through chapter 11. Everything that you've heard, everything that you've learned in those previous chapters. 
He said, the doctrine or the teaching that you've been taught. He said, because of that, he said, now it should be lived out in your activities. Amen? True doctrine automatically brings a changed life. Do you believe that? You cannot have doctrine or teaching and not have the changed life with it. Don't give me just the emotion of the Spirit. Give me the obedience or a changed life. We live in a day that where there's a lot of emotion that is involved with the moving of the Holy Ghost. But when you look a lot of times at people's lives and their emotions that they have, you don't see much of a change in their lives. You don't see them uh, obeying the Word of God. So when we come to the house of the Lord, we don't want to just see the emotion, but we want to see the changed life. It is very serious and very dangerous to know the truth and not do anything about it. And this is what we're going to study here today. There's more than emotion. There is actually a living out of what we've experienced. So he said, I beseech you, brethren. He said, I beg you. Everybody say, I beg you. Paul says, I beg you. He could have said, I command you, but he didn't. He said, I beg you. And what is he begging them to do? He said, I beg you, therefore, because of what you know, brethren, by the mercies of God. Everybody say, the mercies of God. Because of everything that God has done for you, He has made you justified. He has sanctified you, set you apart. He's going to glorify you. That's what we've studied in Romans. And he said, because you've been justified, because you've been set apart unto Him, and because you will soon be glorified, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Amen? He said, by the mercies of God that ye let's all say ye present your bodies you got a part in this you know sometimes people want God to do everything but God's not going to do everything you've got a part in this because you present your bodies to him he's not gonna come down and make us do a lot of things he asked us just simply to present ourselves to him so I've got a part in this. Amen? So he said, present your what? Your bodies. Your bodies. He says, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Everybody say reasonable service. I mean, it's just reasonable to live for God once he saves you. After what God has done for me, I want to live for him. I want to serve Him. I want to present my body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto Him. Which is just, that's just my reasonable service. Hallelujah. It's all reasonable. Praise God. Then He says this. And be not, now how do I do this? And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Praise the Lord. You see, we used to be a part of the old system. Amen? We used to be a part of the system of the world. And when we were in the system of the world, how did you live? You lived like the world. You lived in sin. You did the things of the world. You, you were involved in crowds of people that were, were wrong things that were done. Amen? And what did you do? You yielded yourself to those things. 
I mean, you weren't born with a cigarette in your mouth or a joint in your mouth or a liquor bottle in your hand. You had to learn to smoke that cigarette. Are you hearing me? That's why when you first put it to your mouth, you went, <clears throat> it wasn't natural. You had to force it down. You had to give yourself to that. And then finally, after a while, you became addicted to that thing after you had yielded your body to it. When you used to drink that hard liquor, you had to force it down. It didn't. I, I never thought that that tasted good. Did anybody think liquor tastes good? You're crazy. Liquor is the, ooh, it's like poison. And you had to force that stuff down your throat why? Because you wanted to feel good. You had to yield yourself to those things and give yourself to them. And then pretty soon you begin to like those things and became addicted to them. Hallelujah. And it's the same way in the kingdom of God. You have to give yourselves to the will and purpose of God in your life. You have to present your body. And some, as a sacrifice, sometimes you're not going to feel like doing it. Sometimes it goes against your grain and against your personality and against your fleshly desires. But present your bodies as a sacrifice to God to do holy things. To do that which is right. To live for God. To serve His Word. Amen? Glory to God. It's not easy to stop living like the world. It's not easy to stop looking like the world. It's not easy to stop talking like the world. There's a struggle there. And I'm not going to tell you it's easy. But it's, the Bible says what I'm to do is to present my bodies as a sacrifice unto God. Somebody say praise the Lord. You're not a dead sacrifice. I'm not a dead sacrifice. I'm a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus, there was an offering called the burnt offering. And the burnt offering, what they brought that offering for was showing that they were totally dedicated to God. Totally committed to God. Amen? <coughs> Lord, help me get through this this morning. They were totally committed. So they brought a, a bullock and they would sacrifice that to God. They would burn it completely up. Amen? What are they saying? My whole life, God, is yours. I don't belong to myself. I belong to you, God. And I'm going to give you a burnt offering of total devotion and total commitment and total dedication. That's what the burnt offering was about. But listen to me. Nobody has ever totally committed to the Lord. I haven't and you haven't. Nobody has totally dedicated their lives to God. And obeyed him absolutely 100%. The only person who's ever done that, his name was Jesus. So he fulfilled the offering called the burnt offering on Calvary. And he went completely to the extreme will of God to even die for us on the cross. Who I feel the Holy Ghost. I might step on your toes a little bit this morning. So you might want to hide him under the pew a little bit. Amen. Jesus died, so now I'm not a burnt offering. I don't die. Jesus died for me, but I identified with his death on the cross by repenting. And then I was baptized in his name, filled with the Holy Ghost. Now I'm alive unto God because I died in Christ. That's why it says I'm a living sacrifice. 
Now, sacrifices, you kill sacrifices. Amen? But I'm a living sacrifice. That means that I die to my will and purpose in this world, and I dedicate my life to God. Amen? <clears throat> Y'all got that so far? Amen? So right doctrine produces right lifestyle. Amen? You can't have right doctrine and not have a right lifestyle. Because the two go together. Hallelujah. So I was in the old system of the world. And I lived like the world. And I did the things. And, and I lived in sin. But now I'm a child of God. And because I'm a child of God, I'm going to live for Him. Here's, here's what He says. <clears throat> he said, if you'll do this, you will, the Bible says, verse 2, be not conformed to this world. How do I live for God once I know the truth? I don't be conformed. Let's say don't be conformed. The word conform means, you know what it means? It means constantly changing. When I got up this morning, I put on these clothes. Yesterday, I wore something different. I changed my clothes from yesterday to today. And every day just about, I have a different put, a set of clothes that I put on. That means I'm constantly changing. My outward appearance is constantly changing. <clears throat> Amen? I don't look the same. I am changing. And the world, the system of the world, is constantly changing. Amen? And he says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't let the world put you in its mold. Don't let the world squeeze you into being like it. The world is constantly changing and the world is going to want you to change right along with it. And if you say, I don't do this thing and I live like this, the world's going to come to you and say, oh, come on, be like us. <clears throat> don't be an oddball. Don't be the one out. You know, come on and be a part of us. But the Bible says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't be like the world. Amen. <clears throat> don't be constantly changing all the time. Hallelujah. One minute you're living for God. And the next minute the world says, come on, be like us. And you let the world put you in its mold and you be like them. God said, don't let that happen to you. I'm going to give you an example. Look with me in the book of Genesis, <clears throat> chapter 49. Everybody remembers Reuben, right? <clears throat> this is what his father Jacob said about him. Verse 3. Okay, these are prophecies that are coming from Jacob. And he's prophesying over his sons concerning the final days. And he says in verse 3, look at Reuben, the firstborn son, the elder son. He says, Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, and the excellency of power. But look what he says, unstable as water. Reuben, you're unstable as water. Because what happens when, when, what does water do? It conforms to whatever you put it in. 
You put it in a, in a, a container that's shaped like this, the water's shaped the same as the container. If there is no container, you pour it out on the ground and it goes everywhere. He said, Reuben, you are unstable as water. And if you study the life of Reuben, every time he gets in a situation with people involved, he just does what they want him to do. He's constantly conforming into what they want him to be like. So he never stands up for the truth. He never stands true to the Word of God. But he just changes. He conforms to whatever container he's in. Whatever group of people he's associated with that day, that's the way he is. He goes to a different crowd the next day. And that crowd molds him into being what, that, what they're all about. So he is unstable as water. Study his life. Amen. God is telling us, don't be conformed to this world. <clears throat> don't be like water that just conforms to whatever its environment is. Hallelujah. The world wants to do that to you. It's constantly changing. And it wants you to change too. And it wants you to fit in its mold. But God says, do not be unstable like water. You know what? Let me tell you how long God's put that on my heart. For many, many weeks now, this scripture's been coming up in my spirit to bring to you. We cannot afford to be like the world. We can't let the world constantly change us. We can't let the world squeeze us into its fads and its fashions and its systems and its ideology and its ways. The godless ways of the world. Amen. God doesn't want us to constantly be changing. Hey, hallelujah. He doesn't want us to be like a chameleon. How many of y'all ever seen a chameleon? <clears throat> it gets on a green leaf and it turns green. It gets on a black leaf and it turns black. It gets on a red leaf and it turns red. It just changes with its environment. And God said, don't be a chameleon. <clears throat> You're always changing with your environment. Woo! You come to church and you say, praise the Lord to the truth. And you go out and you walk up to your friends. And they're talking one way and they're living one way. And so you just shift into that mode and you talk just like they do. <clears throat> In church you say, amen to the truth. But out there among your family and friends, you let them squeeze you into their understanding and what they think about things. God says, do not change. Do not be conformed. Don't be like water constantly being unstable. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <clears throat> there was a man by the name of Peter. Everybody knows Peter, right? He's an unstable individual. Bible says one minute Peter looks up he's with the disciples right he looks up and he says Jesus though all men forsake you I'll never forsake you I'll never leave you well that's his opportunity amen because he's with the church he's with the disciples amen so he wants to put on a good show and he wants to say, I'll never leave you, Lord, right in the midst of all of those disciples. Amen? But then he turns around, and when he gets in another crowd of people, he looks up in that crowd, and he says, I don't even know him. I never knew him. He had to act like he didn't even know Jesus. 
Why? Because he let his environment squeeze him into its mold. Hallelujah. I want to ask you a question. At what point did Peter exercise his faith? When was his faith the highest? Was it when he was saying, I'll never forsake you, Lord? Or was it when he said, I don't even know the man? You would think when he said, I'll never forsake you, Lord, that's when his faith was the highest. His, his faith was never involved in either time. At either time. Because both the first time, he was just mouthing off because he's in the, in the crowd of the disciples. But he gets off in another crowd and he just fits into their mold. He's like water, unstable. Hallelujah. God is telling us, don't do that. Don't be like that. Don't let your environment or the people that you're running around with change who you are. Constantly changing you. Amen. The world's always changing. It's fads, it's fashions, it's ways are constantly changing. And it says, come on, be like us. God says, don't be like that. Don't change all the time. Hallelujah. Don't be unstable like water. Don't be a chameleon. Don't be like Peter. Hallelujah. Somebody say, praise the Lord. <clears throat> Here it says this. Be not conformed to this world. Here's the answer. But be ye transformed... By the renewing of your mind. Let's all say the renewing of my mind. He wants me to be transformed. Not conformed, but transformed. Now listen. That is something that never changes. Who you are and who I am never changes. Inwardly. Inwardly, who lives in you? Amen. Christ is my life. Jesus Christ lives inside of me. You think he's constantly changing with every whim and every wind? He never changes. If you've been born of the Spirit, Christ is your life. Christ is in you. He never changes. So he says, be you transformed by the renewal of your mind. That means let the outward become what the inward is. You're a child of God, so live it out. And as you live outwardly what is inwardly a reality, then you will be transformed. You'll be transfigured. And you will become more like Jesus Christ every day of your life. That is the will of God. He wants us to be more like Christ. He wants us to have stability in our lives. Oh, say stop tipping. Look next to somebody next to you. Say, I wish you'd stop stepping on my toes. I know this don't make you comfortable. It don't make any of us comfortable. But the whole problem is when we want to be accepted by the world, so we, we want to do what they do. We want to talk like they talk. Right? But when we come to church, we want to be the best Christians you ever saw in your life. Hallelujah. God says that's not the road to go. Be, a, be genuine, not a fake. You got the Spirit of God in you. It never changes. So let the outward be consistent with the inward. Glory to God. Somebody say praise the Lord. <clears throat> Hallelujah. He says this. We want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When, when the Lord saved us, 
fill us with the Holy Ghost. He didn't redeem my mind. I still got the same mind. Hallelujah. You think like a mess before you know Christ, you're going to think like a mess after you know Christ. That's right. You, God doesn't save your brain. He didn't save my brain. I have to renew my mind. How do I renew my mind? Prayer, the Word of God. I start praying. I start reading the Word of God. I start studying the Word of God. And my mind begins to trans be transformed into the way God thinks. And the way what God does. I start wanting to do what God does and what God says. I start wanting to obey Him. And you've got to renew your mind. Amen. You used to talk one way. Now you find out you're not supposed to talk that way. Hallelujah. Peter, one of those little people there that was there heard Peter curse and say he didn't know the Lord. And they look at Peter and they, you know what they say to him? Your speech betrays you. You speak as a Galilean. Your speech betrays the fact that you did know him, Peter. So now you're going to try to change your speech and curse and say, I don't know him to fit into the mold. Hallelujah. You used to talk one way. Now God is changing the way you talk. Amen. If you're not careful, you let get in a, in a crowd of people and you start talking the way you used to talk. Because you don't want them to think that you're different. You don't want them to think that you're a little bit odd and a little bit strange. But that is what God has called us to. Amen. So don't let the changing ways of the world be your way of life. Constantly changing. And letting it squeeze you into its mode. But renew our minds. We need to renew our minds. I, me, I got to renew my mind all the time. Because my mind is always talking to me. My soul is always talking to me contrary to the truth. All the time. My emotions don't always line up with the Word. My emotions are changing all the time. And the way I think changes all the time. So I've got to renew my thinking. And i got to get my brain lined up with the Word of God. And my emotions lined up with the will of God. Somebody say praise the Lord. <clears throat> if you go by the way you feel, you won't live for God one day. You're not going to feel saved at times. You're going to feel bad at times. You're going to feel like God has forsaken you at times. But you can't go by what your mind is telling you. You've got to renew your mind and say, this is what the Word says. Amen. The enemy will come and tell you you're a failure, you're a failure, you're a failure, you're a failure. And if you believe that, you'll give up. But you've got to keep on going because your mind's going to be changed. Because as long as I get in the Word of God, I'm going to find out something that's going to help me understand that my thinking is wrong. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. I'm getting excited now about ministry. Last few months I've shared with y'all, 
you know what, I've gotten to a point in my life, in my emotions, that I've lost just the, the, the enjoyment and the, and the desire of ministry. But you know what's happened to me? God is renewing my mind. I'm getting excited about ministry again. I'm getting excited about the Word of God again. I'm spending more time in study. You know, for a while there, I'd, I'd study. But not like God is doing something inside of me now. Boy, He's putting a hunger and a desire for me to get in this book right here and to study it and take it apart like I've never taken it apart before. God has renewed my mind. And if you're not careful, you let the decisions of other people and the way they act and the way they live steal your confidence and rob your joy of what God has called you to do. But God is renewing my mind. I can't stay in that situation. The changing, the, the way people change all the time and what they do and how they live and where they go. I can't live in that. Amen. I've got to stay true to God. Hallelujah. You Listen to me. You are a person. I am a person. You look at yourself one way. People look at you another way. And what you try to do and what I try to do a lot of times is I try to fit into what I think other people think about me. Amen. I know who I am. You know who you are. But it's what you think other people think about you that you try, you allow yourself to become. And then there is who, who God knows you are. Hallelujah. Who God knows you are. So you can't let yourself be squeezed into trying to be what other people think you ought to be. You have to be true to yourself, be true to what God has called you to do. Or you'll constantly be changing all the time. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you got a call in your life? Do you got a vision? Amen. God has showed everybody in this church what you can be in Him. But we let what other people think about us be the controlling factor, not what God has called us to be. Amen. God said, don't let that happen to you. Let the inward reality of who God knows you are and what He's called you to be be outlived in your life. Praise the Lord God. <clears throat> this is not a true story, but this is a story about a man. He was in church one day. He, he looked up and he saw another individual walk up in the church. He saw this individual go sit down at the piano and start playing. He played that, that man was playing that piano. Boy, he was playing it. It was really something how that guy was playing that piano. And he got up from the piano. He looked at the man that was in the church. And he says, I just played the song that you wrote. That man said, I never wrote any songs. I don't even know how to play the piano. Amen. Then he got up and he started reading the book. 
And that, that man that was hearing this other man read this book, he said, that's an awesome book. Who wrote that? And he said, this is the book that you wrote. And the man said, I never wrote any books before. And the end of the story was, this individual that had played the piano and read the book was that man had he lived out his life in the will and purpose of God. That's what he could have been and what he could have done. How many of us, God has a plan and for us. He wants you to do great things. But for some reason, you let changing environments and circumstances and people and what they think and what they say control who you are. And you let them stop you or you stop yourself from being what God wants to do with you and through you. What a terrible time that would be when we stand before God and God would show us what we could have been if we would have been transformed instead of conformed. The books that maybe you might have read or are written or the songs that you might have written or the ministry you might have started had you simply been transformed. The man that you could have been or the woman that you could have been. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everything's going to try to squeeze you into its mold. But you've got to say, no, I'm going to renew my mind. I'm going to let the inward reality of Christ is my life in me, unchanging, be the outward way I live. Amen. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Everybody got a hold of that so far? Verse 3, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. So now he says, okay, this is the way I want you to live. I want you to walk humbly before God. Somebody say praise the Lord. He says that the grace is given to every man that is among you. Not, and he says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But he says, think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. What he's saying is this. It doesn't matter who we are, every one of us need God. He's the one that gives us a measure of faith. Before I was even saved. He gave me a measure of faith to believe for salvation. People who say, I just don't believe there's a God. I don't have faith that I can be saved. That's a lie. Because God said, when you were born, there was placed on the inside of you a measure of faith. And that faith will allow you to believe to be born again. It will allow you to believe to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You've got enough faith to be saved. Everybody does. I went into a prison uh, situation one time. I was witnessing this guy. And he said, I don't have faith. I don't believe there is a God. I said, you're lying because the Bible says that God has given to every man a measure of faith. You've got enough faith to believe for salvation. 
Not only did He give me enough faith to believe for salvation, but He gives me enough faith to live for Him now. Where did it all come from? It comes from Him. I didn't originate it. It didn't come from me. It came from God. So if the faith came from God, then, I, you know, that counts me out so far as accumulating it myself. So I recognize I need God, and you recognize you need God. So we're not going to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think because we realize that it all comes from God anyway. Yes. <clears throat> Amen. For as we have many members, now he's going to talk about the body of the church, how we're to live as the body of the church. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. Everybody doesn't have the same function in the church. Amen? Hallelujah. My hand doesn't do the same thing as my feet. My eyes see, my ears hear. There's a different function. You have a different function in this body than I do or somebody else does. You're my place in this and your place in this is I need to seek out and to and determine what is my function in the body my it's not to compare myself with somebody else and try to be what they are I gotta find my place in the body of Christ find out what my function is find out what I'm gifted everybody's gifted differently and you have a different office a different function in the body of Christ amen <clears throat> now the problem is is once you find out what that call is will you do it amen my hand in this body was designed to do something it'd be crazy if my hand told my brain I'm not going to do that well, that's what a lot of times we do. We talk to God. He's the head of the body, the church. And He calls us to do a certain function in the body. And we say to the head, I'm not going to do that. How many times have your arm ever looked at you and said, I'm not going to pick that up? Well, if it did, you know, you'd probably do something about it. Amen. But He says this right here. Having then gifts, verse 6, differing according to the grace that is given to us. Hallelujah. This is awesome. Verse 5. So we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. You depend on me, and I depend on you. And we don't realize how true that statement is. Amen. If my, if my foot just decides to take off some, someday and I don't, you know, I need my foot. I depend on it. The rest of my body depends on it. If I don't have a foot, then I'm lame and my body doesn't travel right. Hallelujah. So the body has a purpose. It has a function. And if people, if you disappear then the whole body's affected, not just the one member, but the whole body's affected. 
You've got a place in this assembly. God wants to use every one of you. Don't feel like that you're not important. You're vitally important. You're vitally important to the success of this assembly. Without you, we've got a missing part. Without you doing what God has called you to do, it's a missing part in the church. And the rest of the body suffers and has to carry the load. <clears throat> Amen. So he says that we have gifts that are different gifts there. Charisma, I read it to you out of that other Bible. Charisma means grace gifts. The gifts by His grace. We don't earn them. They are gifts of God. Now, when it talks about the gifts of the Spirit, it's a totally different word from the gift of the Holy Ghost. In Corinthians it says, do all speak with tongues? Do all prophesy? The inference is no. Now what? i got to explain myself. Because what it's talking about in 1 Corinthians, when it says do all speak with tongues, it's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Charisma, charismatic, grace gifts. Okay? Not everybody has been used in the gifts of diverse tongues and interpretation of tongues. You with me so far? But when you are born of the Spirit, you will speak in tongues. But it doesn't mean you have the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. You have been born of the Spirit. And in the book of Acts, when it says, the gift of the Holy Ghost, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's not even the same word. It's Doria. Everybody, when you get the Holy Ghost, you will speak in tongues. But every, everybody doesn't, are not used in charismata, divers, tongues. All right, praise the Lord. We have different gifts. Not everybody's called to preach. If you're called to preach, you better know you are. You better be 100% sure you are. Because if you're not called to preach and you get into preaching, you get into ministry, you're going to have yourself a rough old road. The only thing that's going to keep you going if you're called to prophesy is that calling. There's some people think they're called to preach. They go out and preach. Listen to me. That's dangerous. You got to know the callings of God in your life. You got to be absolutely sure. How do I know that? It'll never leave you. If you're called to preach, it'll be talking to you every day. You get up in the morning, it's going to talk to you. I'm calling you to preach. I'm calling you to pastor. I'm calling you to ministry. And you will never get rid of it. You'll try to run from it, but it's going to sit there and talk to you the whole time. You're called to preach. You're called to preach. You're called to preach. And you're going to get so miserable in your life if you don't submit to that call that you're just going to feel like committing suicide. Because it's such a heavy call, God never lifts His hands. Amen? So if you're called to prophesy in that gift, you're not going to wake up one morning and say, I think I'm called to preach. And then next week, forget it completely. Because it will never leave you. I guarantee you. Amen? <clears throat> I once heard one of Anzus preaching. 
He said, you better pray to God that God didn't call you to the evangelism field. I'm sitting there thinking, well, wouldn't that be pretty neat to be an evangelist? Wouldn't that be pretty neat to be a preacher, a pastor? I think that'd be pretty neat, you know. And he's sitting there saying, you better pray to God. God never calls you to what I'm doing. Amen. And I didn't have any idea what, that, what he goes through in evangelism, as an evangelist. So I'm thinking it's a glamour thing. Hallelujah. But he's saying, you better make sure, you better pray to God he don't call you to this. Amen. You better pray to God. Listen, if he calls you to preach and pastor, wonderful. It's the greatest call and get, that there is. Amen. But you, better, you ought to pray that God don't call you to that. God calls you to do something else, honey. Are you with me so far? Hallelujah. One time I went to a minister's when I first started pre preaching. And they, this, we had these pictures we'd cut out of magazines. And this guy was sitting up in a chair like this. And this, this guy had got this picture out of a magazine. And there was a bunch of sheep sitting around, uh, around him. He was just sitting there. Amen. And that's what the old preachers used to tell the young preachers. They say, what you think ministry is all about is this picture. Kicking back and you got sheep all around. You only work two days a week. Sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? Sounds pretty fun, doesn't it? I stood up and I said, uh, I, I, that's not my concept. I don't believe that. Amen? So he says, but there's callings of God and there's giftings of God. You better know it before you get into that. Before, Amen? It's wonderful, but it's also something that has to come from God. And he says this. It's according to the proportion of faith. It has anointed proclamation of the Word of God, but it has to line up with the faith, the Word of God. Hallelujah. Forgive me, church, but I get a little bit indignant when I hear some people preach. I heard one guy the other night on TBN, and I just briefly watched maybe a couple of minutes of this guy's preaching. He was preaching in the book of Revelation. He said that the 12 tribes of the nation Israel represent 12 religions in the world. And he said that you will be surprised that God is going to have children in religions of the world that we didn't think he was going to have children in. And I'm sitting there. Now, pardon me. You know how I am. Pretty straightforward. But I looked at my wife. I said, he's an ecumenical idiot. God doesn't have children in false religious systems of the world. He is a preacher and a teacher of false doctrine. And these people in this congregation were going, Woo! Praise God! <laughs> Amen! And I'm saying, I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, all these people are believing what that guy is saying, and it's not biblical. It's not the Word of God. <clears throat> so you prophesy, you have to prophesy according to the measure of faith. You've got to prophesy according to the Word of God. Amen. Are you with me today? <clears throat> There's all kinds of crazy teaching concerning prophecy these days. Somebody say praise the Lord. Let me go on. Verse 7. <clears throat> or ministry. Let us wait on our ministry or he that teacheth on teaching. Ministry. What is ministry? It's serving. God may not call you to pastor or to preach, but he may have called you to ministry. He may call you to serve. He may be calling you to an old folks home 
where you go in there and you serve those, those elderly people. He, <coughs> amen, forgive me. He may be calling you to be involved with the elderly and serving them. I don't know what his call is. He may be calling you to a, another type of service. Hallelujah. But he might not be calling me to that. So if you come up to me and you say, Brother Jerry, I think we ought to do this. You know what I might say? Go right ahead. And you thought of it, it's your baby. Because maybe God is calling you to do that. Amen? No one person can do it all. It's a body thing. And God calls people to do different things. So then he says this. After ministry, teaching. He says, let us wait on our ministering or he that teacheth on teachings. How many of y'all believe that the Bible says a man's gift will make room for him? It'll make room for him. Sometimes you have to wait on it a while, years maybe. But if you wait, God will make a place for you in the ministry. Don't give up before you get there. Stay with it, and God will make a way. He'll open the door for ministry or teaching. Teaching is the instruction of the Word of God and explanation of the Word of God. Then he says this, Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. Exhortation is encourager. There's some people in this church that are encouragers. They're always trying to encourage somebody. They see somebody struggling, somebody down. They might even be down themselves. But they're going to be there trying to encourage and uplift somebody that needs encouragement. But exhortation is not just encouragement or comforting. It is a word that is trying to get somebody to take a, a, a way of action. It's a strong word trying to get them to, to go a certain way. That's exhortation. That oftentimes happens through preaching. Then he says this. <clears throat> He that giveth, let him do it with, and that translation says liberality or simplicity. Some people, <coughs> they just have a gift to give. They're in the body. They just love to give. Amen? It's their gift. Everybody's called to give. But some people, they just enjoy. That's what it seems what they are, they're called to do is to just bless by giving and giving and giving and giving. It says, if you have that gift of giving, it says, do it liberally. Do it with simplicity. Do it with the right motivation when you do it. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> he that ruleth with diligence. Leaders. These are leadership. People, some people call the leadership positions in the church. How, is, how are you supposed to handle that? With diligence. Everybody say diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's awesome. Go to somebody, try to show mercy, try to encourage. It says the way you do it is cheerfully. And then he goes on and he says this. Let love be without dissimulation. So listen. Romans chapter 12 gives us seven gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 gives you nine gifts of the Spirit none of them are exhaustive 
Amen. When you get the Holy Ghost, God has put something in you, a motivation. There is a motivation in you that's pushing you to do certain things in the body of Christ. And you can't live and be happy if you're not doing it. A lot of people are not happy today in the Christian church. You know why? Because they're not doing what God called them to do. They've got a function. They've got a purpose. And they're not doing it. Then he goes on, verse 9, to love. Let love be without dissimulation, hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. So there's three, th three aspects of love. It says when you love, don't do it hypocritically or in a fake way. Do it out of sincerity. And he says, abhor that which is evil. Psalm 97 and verse 10. It says, ye that love the Lord hate evil. If you really love God, then you're going to hate evil. Can't love the Lord and love evil at the same time. So true love is you do it sincerely without hypocrisy. And you hate evil. You abhor evil. And then he tells us, And cleave to that which is good. That which is good. Hold on to that which is good. That's good. Amen. Let me go on. Verse 10. He's telling us how to live out our life. He says, Be kindly, affectionate one to another, with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. We're to honor each other. We're to prefer each other in the Lord. We're to be kind. We're to be affectionate. Verse 11, he says, Not slothful in business. Whenever we do our work, we're to do it with not in a lazy way. See, it's not just the work that we do. It's the attitude in which we do the work. Not lazily doing our work, but whew, you know what I'm saying? What kind of attitude do we have about our work is what he's talking about. Don't do work lazily, slothfully. Amen. Give yourself to it. Whatever you find your hand to do, do it with all your might. Whatever you're going to do, do it with all your strength. Ecclesiastes tells us. Then the Bible says this. Fervent in spirit. Everybody say fervent in spirit. That means boiling hot. Amen. How many churches you go to? Boy, they're boiling hot, all right. Most Christian people I come across today are nothing... They're not boiling hot. They're, they're colder than an iceberg. But God says be fervent in the Spirit. Be boiling red hot. Come on. When you come to church, come with a fervency. Come with a fire. Come with a boiling spirit. Come with some enthusiasm. <clears throat> Amen. <coughs> Praise the Lord. Serving the Lord. So I'll say serving the Lord. Rejoicing. Now here's for the battle. Here's the battle time. What do I do in the battle? I'm going to tell you, you're going to get into some battles. 
what do you do when you get in the battle? Here's what he said. Rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope. Hmm. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. What do I do when I get in a battle? I rejoice in hope. What's there to rejoice about, brother? I'm in a battle right now. Well, this is what you got to do when you get in the battle is rejoice. That's your key out of the problem is rejoice. Rejoice in hope. What's that hope? Redemption's been taken care of. Jesus died for me on a cross. I'm a forgiven person. Rejoice. There's heaven to come. Eternal glory, eternal bliss with my Jesus. Rejoice. I'm looking for the future. I'm looking for Him to come. My home is heaven. I've got something to rejoice about. My name is in the Lamb's book of life tonight. I've got something to rejoice about. I've got a hope. I'm not like those people in this world who start going through things who have no hope. I've got a hope. So what do I do in the battle? Rejoice. That's hard to do when, you, when you're going through it. Rejoice on the one hand. <clears throat> be patient in tribulation. What is tribulation? Tribulation is loss. It's everything that happens in your life. Loss in your life is tribulation. A cross in your life is tribulation. Amen? Trouble in your life is a tribulation. Tribulation can be external and it can be internal. I can look at your external and everything might be okay. Or it might not be okay. You might be going through some external problems. Loss, a cross, and trouble. Amen? But he says rejoice. <clears throat> but everything externally might be okay. But on the inside of you there is a battle that is raging that nobody can see. Anguish of soul. Anguish of spirit that's going on on the inside of you. And God says, even internal tribulation, rejoice. And sometimes you don't even know why that, that thing comes on you in your spirit. Everything outwardly seems to be okay. But there's something inside of you that's just anguish. Anxiety. And you don't understand. Amen. I've gone through weeks and months, just as you have, of just a, 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 a foreboding heaviness and anguish inside of me. And amen, you might could look at me on the outside and you don't see it there. But it's there and it's deep and it's rough and it's tough. But God says when you're hurting on the inside... Come to the house of God. Throw up your hands and rejoice. <clears throat> when you're hurting on the outside, throw up your hands and rejoice. Whether it's outwardly or inwardly, rejoice in God. When you're in the battle, that's the victory for you. Amen. Rejoice and has nothing to do with what you're feeling. 
You, he says, right in the middle of the problem, rejoice. Come on, church. <clears throat> Hallelujah. If we let our emotions conform us, we'll always be down in the dumps. But we gotta, we're somebody, Christ in us is our life. And when we come to church, we're going to let Him manifest Himself through us. We're going to let the glory of God shine through us. We're going to be like Jesus Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration who let the glory of the Lord radiate through His body. <clears throat> glory to God. You, get, you rejoice enough and the glory of God is just going to shine out of you. Amen? Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You're going to find out that the will of God for your life is good. And it's perfect. And it's acceptable to Him. You start doing it God's way and you're going to say, this is the right way. I know it's right. I'm so happy that I'm doing it. His will is good. His will is perfect. And He accepts it. And as I just keep going on, refusing to give in to the pressures of life, let the, out, the inward reality of Christ in me push them back. Be transformed. Let the glory of the Lord shine through my life. You do not take a candle in the dark time and put it under the bed. Jesus gave a parable. Amen. You need the candle in the dark time. That's when you need it. You don't hide it. So when you're going through the problem, the pressures of life are trying to squeeze you. Don't go sliding up underneath a bed somewhere and hide somewhere. The Bible said you can't hide it. It's like the light just shining on a mountaintop. It's ridiculous to hide the light under the bed. He said salt losing its savior, salt no longer being salty. Then it's not worth anything. Glory to God. We're, we should be a salt in this world. Hallelujah. We should preserve it. We should be involved in it. So far as reaching it for Christ. Hallelujah. Rejoice. Even when you're hurting on the inside. Rejoice when you're hurting on the outside. Be patient in tribulation. Don't give up. Endure. Amen. You're going to go through it. The problem, that problem is if you get bogged down. As long as you keep on moving through it, nothing can stop you. Just don't get stuck in the problem. <clears throat> Rejoice in the problem may still be there tomorrow. Rejoice, and it may still be there next week. Rejoice, it may be there a month from now. Rejoice and be patient. <clears throat> problems is the problems come over to you and they start pushing, trying to press you down. When you go to church, you don't praise God. Nobody hears you. Nobody hears me. I'm going through something right now. I'm not going to let it squeeze me into its mouth. I'm going to rejoice. 
I'm going to get on fire and I feel cold. I'm going to get on fire. I'm going to be fervent. I'm going to be red hot. Do you understand? It says, present your bodies. Come on. God's not going to set you on fire. You're going to set yourself on fire. God's not going to make you worship. You got to present your body. God's not going to make you rejoice. You got to present it to God. You're not going to feel fire burning. You know why? Because God, that's your responsibility. That's my responsibility. My responsibility, be fervent. Paul started his own fires. Read the book of Acts. The Bible says he went and got sticks, put it here, lit a fire, and a serpent jumped out of it. Beat him on the hand. He shook it off into the fire. Listen to me. You got to start your own fire. You got to go get yourself some sticks. You got to put them down there. You got to light the fire. And when the devil comes out and latches onto you, you just shake that devil off in the fire that you made. God's not going to make you get with it. You're just going to have to get with it. God's not going to light your fire. You're going to have to light it for you. God's not going to do your rejoicing for you. You're going to have to do your rejoicing for you. Got to renew your mind. It's like you're in a foreign country. You left the States. You went to a foreign country. You look at your watch and your watch says it's seven o'clock in the morning time for me to get up in a foreign country it's time to go to bed your body is all mixed mixed up messed up so what is in the kingdom of god you used to be in the world system now you come in the kingdom of god you got to stop thinking like you used to think out in the world and you got to renew your mind and start thinking like god and doing it his way and your body's going to tell you it's time to go to sleep but god says no it's time to wake up This is, let's all say, this is for the battle. He said, continue an instant in prayer. Don't, you, don't we understand that prayer changes me, it changes you, and it changes those that you pray for. There is power in prayer. <clears throat> oh, Hallelujah. Verse 13, distributing to the necessity of saints. People have needs in the church. The Holy Spirit moves on you to help them help them. People have needs, help them. We're a body. We need to minister to each other. We need to help each other. If you, got, if you don't have food in your house, let me know. Tell me about it. Hallelujah. Are you with me today? You need gas money? Tell me. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Given hospitality. When people stay over to your house, they're strangers. You don't know them. Be generous to them. Bless them. Hallelujah. Bless them which persecute you. 
Bless and curse not. Now to curse means that you wish evil upon a person's life. You wish them to be totally ruined in life. You wish them to have total destruction in their life. And God said don't curse. Don't wish evil on people. Don't wish destruction on people. Hallelujah. But bless when they persecute you. When people persecute you. Speak good of them. Amen. Thank God. Don't curse. What do you do? <clears throat> what do you do if you, don't, if you don't speak evil of them and desire destruction to come in their life? Nobody wants anybody to go. I don't want anybody to go to hell. Do you? Well, what do you do then? You pray that God will show them their mistake. God, help them to understand their mistake. Help them obey the Word of God, Lord, so that they don't become apostate. You pray for them that way. Come on, say praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. Are you with me today? Rejoice with them that do rejoice. You know what keeps people from doing that? It's called E-N-V-Y. It's called envy. When something good happens to somebody, you need to rejoice with them and get excited about the blessings of God in their life. Don't get full of envy and say, ah, oh, you know. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. My sister used to have a friend in high school. I got to go quickly here. She had a friend in high school. That friend got a new car. My sister was excited for her. My sister got a new car, and that friend just snubbed her nose up, you know. She was full of envy and jealousy. She would not rejoice with my sister when my sister got something good happening to her. God says, when something good happens, rejoice with them that do rejoice. Get excited. Don't get full of envy. I want to be excited when good things are happening to you in your life. I want to rejoice with you. I want to thank God when I hear good news. And he says, weep for them that do weep. Be sincerely, sincere concern with people who are going through a difficult time. Show the sincere concern. Amen? Let me go on. This is all self-explanatory, but anyway... Verse 16, be of the same mind one to a, toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Hallelujah. You know, the church of the living God shouldn't always be, you know, associating with just the, the high class so far, so-called defined the high classes of people. We should go down to the person on the street. We should reach out to them. We should minister to them. The church of the living God isn't in, in this, well, we're going to get the rich people kind of junk. The gospel is preached to the poor. We need to go on the south side and reach them. We need to go wherever they are and condescend. Amen? Glory to God. Somebody say praise the Lord. Jesus Christ is not quite so, you know, he's not so caught up in this stuff that, that, that we are. Amen. Glory to God. Not many wise are called. Not many mighty are called. He's chosen the foolish things. He's chosen the things that are not. To confound the things that are. You know what? You look in Corinth where that was written, and there wasn't a whole, a whole lot of high society people in that church. It was the common everyday person that was in that church. 
And that's what we need to look for. Amen. We need to reach everybody we can. Here's what he says. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. You can't control the actions of others, but you can control the actions of yourself. He said, as much as is possible, live peaceable with all men. That means, that's what that means. You can control your actions, but you can't control theirs. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Let God take care of it. Let, let's say it. Let God take care of it. Somebody wrongs us. You know what we have to do is, instead of trying to stand up for ourselves. Listen. Stand up for yourself or myself. If there's any vengeance due, any wrath that is due, God, it's in your hands. It's in your hands. You take care of it, God. Listen to me, church. People carry things with them a whole lifetime. Because somebody mistreated him sometime. You need to get rid of it and say, God, I'm giving it to, to you right now. I'm not holding the vengeance any longer. If there's anything that's due, you take care of it, God. <clears throat> vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. <clears throat> He's the one that has, the Bible says, that he will curse the disobedient of his word. Are you with me today? Not me. Not you. Glory to God. <clears throat> now, whew, I'm doing my best. He says, verse 20, Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. When somebody does something wrong to you and you turn around and treat them good, it's going to bring shame in their life. They're going to feel ashamed of the way they treated you when you treat them differently. You're going to put coals of fire on their head. Are you with me? You understand that? In Egypt, whenever somebody did somebody wrong, a sign of repentance was they would put a pan on the top of their head and fill it full of hot coals of fire. And that person would walk around as a public example. He's got coals of fire on his head. He's ashamed of what he did. Praise the Lord. All right. Here's what I wanted to get to. The last verse. Be not overcome of evil but overcome evil with good let's all say I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord I'm a Christian soldier are you it says be not overcome with evil don't let evil overcome you praise the Lord somebody say praise the Lord don't let evil overcome you you're in a battle but it says, but overcome evil with good. Now that does not mean, let me tell you what it does not mean. It does not mean that man doesn't have any power of correction given to him. God gives, there is an administrative corrective measure that must be taken by men who are in the right positions. You with me? This is not saying that men do not, do not take disciplinary and corrective measures. I'm going to prove it to you. Romans 13, look, it says, For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. 
for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. So God is not saying in there that man does not have any power to execute and revenge evil. You with me so far? He's talking about self-retaliation and self-vindication. But there's administration things that must be taken care of by those that are in proper authority. Hallelujah. When Jesus, look in Matthew 23, 24. When Jesus preached, he did not vindicate himself personally. But he stood up for God and those hypocritical Pharisees. He stood up against them and he preached against them vehemently. Are you with me today? There was something. He was concerned about the things of God when he wasn't concerned about what happened to himself. Hallelujah. Amen. But look, he says, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. How do you deal with evil? What is evil? Evil in yourself. Evil in myself. How do I overcome evil in myself? Everybody has an evil nature, right? I know you do. You can look like all sanctimonious all you want to, but I know you do. You got something on you that's evil, in you, that's very evil. So how do you overcome the evil? You overcome it with good. That means you overcome the evil nature in you by spirituality. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Glory to God. Thanks. Somebody say praise the Lord. How do you overcome evil thoughts? By thinking good thoughts, the Word of God. Amen? Overcome evil thoughts with good thoughts. You have an evil thought, boom, throw it out the door and say, I'm going to replace it with a good thought of the Word of God. Amen? Hmm. Because the power of life and death is in the tongue. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You think one way, and that's what your actions are going to be. You talk a certain way, that's what you will be. So you have to overcome that evil thinking and evil talking with good thinking, the Word of God, and good talking. Somebody say, praise the Lord. What about, how do you overcome evil domestic situations? You overcome evil with good. You with me so far? Come on. Your husband, he goes off the deep end. He gets in the deepest sin, and you're concerned about keeping your marriage together. Well, the answer is not becoming ungodly or doing evil right alongside him. The answer is overcoming evil with good. And the more he acts like a devil, the more godly you should live. And by doing what is right and living godly, you will influence that domestic situation for the good. You with me? Your husband, every time he looks at a woman, he just goes oohs and ahs and he does it verbally and he doesn't show respect to you. You know what you need to do? You don't need to pull your skirt up shorter and drop your blouse lower. You need to drop the length of your skirt and get more modest. And your modesty will cause an attraction to you by him.
Because all the women of the world look like that. But godliness is good. And it will cause him to have the evil overcome. So you get in a domestic situation and your husband throws a fit because you live holy. Keep living holy. Don't, don't stop what you're doing. It's going to influence him for good. You don't overcome evil with evil. You don't join him in sin. You become more godly. Now I picked on the men, but he goes for the women too. Hallelujah. You men, you, you men living with women, they won't live for God, won't serve God. Well, you get on fire for God. You become more godly and you'll overcome their evil tendencies by goodness. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Now, this is for me. It might not be for you, but it's for me. If I get into a disagreement with my wife, you know what I have a tendency to do? I have a tendency to get on fire. Amen. And, and, and get angry. And straighten the situation out. Amen. Hallelujah. But normally when I get on fire and get angry, she gets on fire and she gets angry. And I want to tell you something. That when you have two fires burning, you only have a bigger fire. So as hard as it is, you don't fight. You know, there is some things you fight fire with fire. But in that, you don't fight fire with fire. You overcome evil with good. Amen. Hallelujah. So whatever your domestic situation is, you can overcome it by doing that which is right, living for God. You have a neighborhood, a problem in your neighborhood. You can't stand your neighbor. He walks outside and you, you just feel like throwing eggs at him. He said something you, you didn't like 25 years ago. You haven't spoken to him since. You hate his guts. Well, you know what? Bake him a pie and take it over to him. I felt that run down my spine that, that, that takes a lot amen He's, he or she's been messing with you for a long time amen it, it, it gets kind of funny I did a tree job for somebody the limbs were hanging over their house into the neighbor's yard and you could tell it was a point of contention between the two Amen. The limbs hanging. So I cut those limbs off. You can see they just kind of bickered back and forth, you know, over the stupid little limb that was hanging over their fence. And it just got more and more heated and a bigger and bigger problem. But God says overcome evil with good. Don't let evil overcome you. It's going to be there. It's constantly going to try to overpower you and conquer you. Don't give in to it. Amen. Something's happened to you in your life. Don't let it destroy you. Don't let it overcome you. My, my, my. Overcome it with good. Thank you, Jesus. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good. How many of y'all believe the will of God's good? Amen. And acceptable. Good. 
Amen. That I may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. There's not three levels of God's will for you. There's not the perfect will and then the acceptable will and the good will. That's junk. The will of God's the will of God. Amen. But you're going to find out that His will is good, it's perfect, and it's acceptable to Him. Hallelujah. I want to be pleasing to the Lord Jesus, don't you? <clears throat> I don't want to be unstable like water. I don't want to let the world always conform me, and I don't want to let my family conform me or my friends conform me. I want to be what I am on the inside. I want the outward to also line up with it consistently. Amen. Let's stand, please. Thank you for being here this morning. <clears throat> Lord God, we just praise you right now for your goodness, God, and your mercy. The word, God, that we have seen and heard, God, applies to every one of us. And every one of us have come short of some principle there. Some principle therein, God, we have all come short of. And I ask you right now, by the power of your precious spirit, that, God, that you would rise up in us the unchanging Christ. The one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thank you today that you are in me, God, and you are my life. And I pray, oh God, as I seek to renew my mind and understand that I'm in a new kingdom. And I'm to express this kingdom in the midst of this world. I pray, oh God, as I study your word, my mind will change. And I will agree, God, that your will is good for me. What you say in your word. Your plan, your destiny, your purpose is what I should be seeking after this morning. Help me not to be a Peter at times, God, in my life. Help me not to be a Reuben, God, unstable as water. Oh, help me, Jesus. And God, I will renew my mind. I will say the same things. I will confess my sin. And I will say what your word says, God, today. I've been translated into the kingdom of the living God. Translated out of the kingdom of darkness. Woo, glory to God. I pray, God, you would help my brothers and my sisters today in this church. As we seek your will in our lives, we seek to renew our minds, God. That we'd find out, God, what your purpose, your call, your plan in our life is. That you would use us in this body, God. We pray that this body might walk, walk and work in harmony together. God, that we would let our light so shine that men would see that light, that good works, and glorify the Father who's in heaven. We are the salt in this earth, God, placed here to preserve it. Let us be salty, God, I pray. Always standing up for the truth of the Word of God. Always rising up in strong condemnation and anger against sin. Walking holy before you, abhorring the evil. 
and cleaving to the good. God, I thank you today that you have spoken to people in this church. You've spoken to me. You're changing our minds. You're giving us victory. Ooh, glory to God. We refuse to let the troubles, the loss of the cross.